know you're crazy, but I only wanna be with you You think I'm shady cause I'm out here trying to make some moves But it ain't like that, just know that I'll be right back I'll give you all my time just to let you know you're mine It ain't nothing, promise I'ma do it all to give you something This love I got is only for you, you're my comfort My future husband, I'ma give you all my heart, yeah, all of it, yeah Glasses in the air Toast to a high power Cause what you tuning in to right now Sit down It's Lito's happy hour Lito's happy hour, this is where it's at Rollin' uncut, we giving real facts Educating, entertaining all the people And when it come to podcasts, it ain't none equal Giving people knowledge, they can put in action Hollow way authentic, we ain't never capping. Exclusive interviews, cause we ain't never lacking. The other state is talking, and we bout the action. Huh. Glasses in the air. Toast to a higher power. This is Lito's happy hour. All right, y'all, we're going to go ahead and get it get it popping. You know what I'm saying? Um, everybody that came through, man, I appreciate y'all. Welcome to um, Bars. You know what I'm saying? This is for everyone, uh, men, women, children. Um, I just felt like it was, you know, something that everybody needed. You know, I came up with Bars because I was, I was sitting and I was thinking, and you know what I mean? God said, you know, um, maybe you should do something kind of related to you know what you care about in music with me in music i always cared about you know lyrics you know um, my favorite rappers are all lyricists i care about people who have something to say um and those are also people who i like to surround myself with um so with that being said you know i have you know my brother lamar lamar lewis on here um you know what i'm saying um he is, he was a lyricist back in the day, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But no, nah, he he still, you know, breaks down everything that he does for people. Um, it's also, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's lyrically, you know, inclined, you know what I'm saying? So um, also I got my guy Alex on here, Alex PA. Um, I met Alex because we have a men's group every Thursday um, from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, um, you know, we, we all got close, you know, and my, my brother Lamar puts that together for us. And um, we all get in there, we talk, you know, we tell each other, you know, how, what's going on in our lives. We support one another and we just show brotherhood, you know what I mean? So um, without further ado, I'm gonna let my guy Alex come on and, you know, tell us his story. Y'all, can y'all hear me? I know I got, I'm um, sorry for the noise in the back. I'm at a, I'm at this festival and there's a lot going on. So you gotta excuse me for it. But um, um, a lot of my story begins uh, back in uh, growing up in DC with both my parents at the time. 
and I'm oldest of three boys. And by the time I hit 12, my um, my mom or my dad left the house on Christmas and my mom got arrested that that uh, that August. And so me and my brothers had to move to New York. My, and my dad was living with like my aunts, my, my cousins, my grandmas so was like 10 of us in this three bedroom house. Um, but in spite of all the stuff that was just going on um, in my life and I was dealing with at this age, um, I still see focus on my education and that allowed me to go to um, the college. And when I was in college, my sophomore year, there was a racial incident that happened where some lacrosse players got intoxicated one night. They put all these racial and derogatory remarks all over their body and they posted on Facebook. And so um, I was going to go to law school so I can make good money, become a corporate attorney, you know, and then I'm able to get back to my to my neighborhood. Um, I'm in New York, but uh, during my sophomore year in college, when this racial incident happened, I started this organization called Rising Sons and as a way of empowering the black uh, male students on campus. And so we used to do, uh, um, we used to do silent protests by eating dinner together in, in our suits. And everybody was trying to figure out why in the world these black boys is wearing suits, eating together, but it was a sign of us showing that we're on campus, but it's our way of showing fellowship. And then we started doing uh, community service projects. And then I found out there's a way that I could help the black, uh, the black men in my, in my group get hands-on experience on their in their majors by helping us out within our organization. So I had some guys who said we had a, a career, a major in graphic designs, he came up with our our logo. One of them was really big on tech. He did our website. So everyone had their little mix of things they could really start putting on their resumes. Because a lot of times you can't get an internship because you don't have any experience in college. And so this was a chance for my for my guys to actually get hands-on experience so they become qualify with some experience so they can go uh, to get an internship. And so after I graduated, um, I joined some, uh, I joined an organization called City Air so I can gain some skills and experience and started a nonprofit. Um, and I, um, that's when I launched Rising Sons um, in Philly to get black men to become change agents in their neighborhoods by becoming mentors to boys in our high school and middle school programs because we had a design a whole rise of passage movement. And then we had um, had them doing community service projects. Um, unfortunately, doing that work, I lost four of my boys to murder. Um, and I live in Philly right now. And if y'all know, um, probably in your own cities, that murder has been a, a huge crisis in our neighborhoods. And so I'm dealing with um, grieving of my boys um, and rely on and you know have a good relationship with their moms. Um, that's what keeps me going because the moms that stay strong. I should be able to stay strong too. So they, um, we are we are a huge support system for each other. Uh, one of my best friends, he got uh, who I ended up hiring, he got killed uh, last year. So I made number five, and it made me think a lot about like this the work that we were doing. Um, I decided to um, take Rising Sons in our work because anyone knows trying to find money to raise to raise the money to do the work, it ain't easy. Um, there's really not that much money that you can get access to when you're, uh, especially when you're black trying to do a grassroots organization, you're just doing the things because you see a need, but you don't realize that there's all these other implications that go with that. And so um, I struggled in the beginning, started this nonprofit to get money. Um, it was it was really tough. And then uh, I got a 
I got a contract to work with uh, Jordan brand and Nike. And that opened up the doors to start bringing more revenue. And so I started getting grants. And then I decided um, as we started uh, to lose the people in our, in our group, <clears throat> I wanted to find ways to become more inclusive. So I launched what we called uh, One's Up. One's Up is um, means that you and I are one and we rise, rise together. And the model is how do you bridge the economic gap for young people that's focused on economic mobility, meaning that we're helping them connect with companies that's more reliant to their passion. So our young people are getting jobs and careers based off their passion rather than what people tell them they need to do or what's trendy. It's more about laying on their passion. And we also do healing and wellness work with our young people and also community service projects. So um, just knowing like where I was then and been able to raise, um, you know, during the pandemic, $3 million um, to really, you know, between my space to hire staff, hire my young people to do the work. Um, it takes me places like this to be at so I could find more funders and, and access to resources. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry and there's so much more that I want to accomplish and, and do. Um, but, but yeah, but this has been an amazing journey. Now I have ones up that's really looking at how we could um, give young people the chance to live out their dreams, knowing that we are living at a time where people can ask young people all the time what they want to be when they grow up and never provide anything for them. And I got sick and tired of that. And so if I want to ask young people what they want to be when they grow up, I'm only, I'm paying them to actually work for a company that's based off of their passion. And that's how I disrupt the way that we do work. I'm tired of the same traditional programs that are failing our young people. And I'm here about how do we change and disrupt these systems um, so that the staff that runs these organizations are on the same page and being more effective and adequate with their work so that we can provide more adequate programs for our young people. So I'm just excited about um, the future, the things we have in store. Um, but Kev, you know, I, I appreciate you for holding this space. Um, as a leader, I could not be able to do the work that I'm doing unless I was taking care of myself, which is why I appreciate our Thursday uh, gatherings with Lamar that he holds for us. Because um, um, when you're when you're a black man doing this work, a lot of times you feel misunderstood, and um, you 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 got to put a lot on your plate because everybody you got to pour so much of yourself, and there's not that much being poured back into you, and it happens a lot. And there's a lot of expectation that you're supposed to take it because you're a black man. And um, what is why I appreciate the space that we have, because it really allows me to express myself, be vulnerable, share things and get some of the most wisest wisdom for the for the most common everyday man I could think of. And so I just I appreciate that. And then the last thing um, I was going to just mention, I want to be in a position to help more black organizations raise the money that they deserve because there's a huge equity gap. Um, I'm glad I'm able to raise the money I'm able to do to do what I'm able to do, but the amount of sacrifices I took to get to this position, white people don't got to do this stuff. And it's a shame that I have to work 20 times as harder just to get half the stuff that they get. Um, but I believe it's also my, my job to help support other black organizations that want to get out those barriers and and want to grow their organization and, and raise money and scale their, their programming um so stuff like this like you're doing kevin it means a lot to me um you know i don't care where i'm at 
I'm at this whole big festival, but I'm at the timeout, Kev, <laughs> come do this, bro, because of the relationship. Like, you call me, you check up on me, and little stuff, small stuff like that goes a long way um, that people don't realize. So, you know, I, I appreciate that about you, you know? So, but yeah, now, but thank you again for, for being part of this space. I appreciate you, bro. Before you go, um, I just want to ask you, like, so what do you, what do you say to kids who, you know, are, you know, maybe looking at you? Cause you know, this is going to be on YouTube. This is going to be, you know, heard, you know, throughout the world. So um, kids who come from the same background as us, but don't, you know, because so much going on in the world, they don't really have, you know what I mean? The resources, they don't really have that person that's going to, that big brother to talk to like we do on Thursdays. They don't really have some of that stuff. So like, um, you know, what do you say to like kids that you meet in Philly? Like, you know what I mean? And you know, they going down the wrong path, but you just, you know, trying to, to get them to, I guess, wake up, so to speak. Um, well, for me, I just listen. I listen. I ain't telling young people what they need to do. I listen about what they want to do um, and give them that space. I believe in the power, the creativity, and the influence of young people. I believe that it's that adults need to start believing and trusting in our young people that they got the answers. Um, they're still grooming on the answers, but they know a whole lot. They know a whole lot more than we think we do, and we gotta have start more, having more faith in them. And I want young people to start having more value in themselves because I know that there's places and times where. We don't feel loved or valued or worthy of anything. And it's unfortunate that we, a lot of that times come down to the people around us. And I just want young people just to realize that in spite of how you feel right now, you are worth every single drop of life and breath that you come out of your mouth and nose in spite of everything else. And it's tough right now, but if you work hard now, no, if you work smart now, you can play harder later. But it's all about the sacrifices, dedication, commitment, and discipline you put in now in spite of everything to get what you want. Um, because I always believe um, to get what you never had, you have to do things you never done. So, yeah, people like that. Thanks. That's what's up, bro. I appreciate you, man. How can people reach out to you if they want to try to you know, um, you know, learn more about One's Up. Yeah, um, our website is onesup.org. Um, also, um, I'm on I'm on the gram, uh, Rising of a Sun, um, and Sun is spelled S-O-N. And um, also on Facebook, Alex PA too. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm always accessible. Um, you know, I want to. I, I just want to see Black people grow and get what we rightly, rightly deserve. So. However, I can do my part in that. You know, that's what I'm about that life about. Word, no doubt, man. Listen, I appreciate you coming on, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know you out there in Cali and you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you on a business trip, but, you know, you was able to come and bless us for a minute, bro. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you too, Kevin. It says a lot about you, man. It says a lot about you, man. So I appreciate you. Love y'all. Thanks, bro. All right. Peace. Yeah. Wow, you know what I'm saying? Alice came on, dropped some jewels for us, dropped some gems, you know what I mean? Um, you know, in his busy schedule, you know what I mean? I appreciate him. Like, that's how, that's the kind of brotherhood we have on Thursday nights when we do our thing, you know what I mean? Every Thursday uh, from 8 
to 9 p.m. Sometimes we go to 9.30, you know what I mean? Because we all just be chilling and talking and, you know, sometimes it get deep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, it's all good, though. Up next, um, it's my brother, <laughs> Lamar Lewis. Um, man, I, you know, it's a lot I can say about you, bro, because you always been there for me. Um, you know what I'm saying? You are my my brother. You know what I'm saying? Blood would make us any closer. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I'm going to let you do your thing, bro. I don't want to, you know, take away from anything that you're going to say. You wouldn't be taking away from nothing I have to say, sir. Uh, <laughs> I never know the order, but I know when, when the past is on, I know I'm not going last. So <laughs> I'll take it personal. <laughs> I was like, am I going to be last today? Nope, nope, nope. The past is here. Nope, past is going to close the show. Let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> say my piece and pass the collection plate. No, I'll just play. I'll just play. But no, in all seriousness, man, I, I, I appreciate you for the opportunity, man. Um, I'm glad that um, I'm a, I'm a repeat request to, to, to share what I have. So, you know, if I was bad, you know, you wouldn't invite me back. So I'm glad that I got something that people <laughs> can benefit from or they want to listen to me again. I, I give thanks for that. Uh, but And I thank you as well, man, for continuing to uh, push forward and push your platform forward, man, and giving um, people an opportunity to just have a space to heal, uh, grow and develop, whether that be mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, you know, the world is definitely better and our people are definitely better because you're here. And I want to just make sure I say that and give you your flowers, Black man, because you deserve them. Um, I also want to give flowers to your wife as a support for you. She deserves them. Um, and I'm just grateful that I can be um, a positive influence in your life. And I'm just hopeful that um, I can continue to do so, which leads me to my story. Um, I didn't really know where to go with this. So I got some notes. That's kind of what I was finishing scribbling up. So don't take it no kind of way. If I go too long, just give me the- um, Nah, you good. You Gucci. You can raise your hand and I, I'll shut up. But no, nah, in all seriousness- All right, um, your thing, bro. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when we talk about my story specifically, um, my story is definitely shaped by the fact that for my fundamental years in life, I was raised by a single mom. Um, my biological father and I do not have a relationship. Um, he is also a pastor, a man of the cloth. So by default, I am a preacher's kid. Um, that is a whole story that if you want to talk to me about it offline, we can. I'm not about to spend this time <laughs> talking about all of that, right? But it's important to bring up because um, one of the things that I find in the work that I do as a therapist and a counselor and a community advocate, um, it's just somebody who's a servant and, and someone who's been blessed to be in a position of leadership and just in life and leading men and leading people, um, is that many of us have shared trauma around um, lack of support in their caregiving, right? Whether that be dysfunctional family, um, but that could start from parents, that could start from grandparents, surrogate parents, neighborhood you in, lack of resources. I mean, all of the, the, the negative outcomes that um, a lot of people face. And so, um, but with that, why I bring that up is because my issues with my father um, forced me to learn a lot of stuff early 
on my own and figuring some stuff out on my own. And it's interesting that um, Alex and you brought up the Thursday group, uh, Thursday men's support group, um, because one of the questions that was asked was when, I think you may have asked, when did you figure out you were a man? And I turned 40 this year, my answer was 40. And I'm still figuring it out. You know, there's so many things that I didn't know, I don't know. Um, and at a point in my life, I felt ashamed by that. But now I realize that, that um, without those experiences, I couldn't do the work I do as effectively as I do. Um, there's so many young people who come to me hurting and in pain. There's so many men, grown men who come to me uh, in pain. So many couples who come to me in pain due to wounds that just haven't healed. So um, I never profess to be a preacher, but um, that doesn't mean the gifts aren't there. And my gifts are just applied in a different way. Um, I would never come in the pastor's pulpit and try to out preach him. That ain't my gift. I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, but if the pastor pulled me to the side, I said, hey, man, brother, such and such, you talk to somebody. I got you, big dog. That's where my gift is. Right. Um, and it's not just talking to somebody. Something Alex alluded to is listening. So I'm the guy who's been a therapist my whole life. I'm the dude who people come up to in the grocery store while I'm deciding what salad I'm going to grab. They want to just start talking to me about their lives. Excuse me, brother. Hey, man, let me get some salad. Listen, man, my wife, man, she just, sir, I don't know you. Why are you giving me all this personal information? I don't know. You know, these things, this story of my life. And I get that from my biological father. Why is that important? When you spend so much time hating a person, you deny parts of yourself that remind you of them. I'm going to say that again. I don't know if everybody caught that. When you spend your whole life hating a person, there are things about yourself that you deny. You got to let that breathe, bro. Oh, I'm doing, let me sip. I'm drinking this. This I usually don't drink Coca-Cola. I'm drinking it right now because I'm you gotta I let take a nap breathe. before I go on the call. Y'all don't judge me. I'm not in my <laughs> usual uh, vibrant self. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a long day. Yeah, you definitely got to let that breathe. For yeah, sure. for sure. For sure. Well, I, and I think that's important to say because... Um, like I said, I've always been doing this work. I just didn't notice what I was doing, right? It wasn't until I became a man and a father and a husband that I realized this was part of my story, right? And despite the fact that I have had a lot of anger towards an individual does not mean that there's nothing positive that came from that experience, which leads me to my next, to my point. I'm going, I'm trying to drill this down. I'm going to call it the six M's. All right, six M's. Keep these six M's in your mind. Uh, I'm going to flesh this out maybe one day and type this out and make this something nice and pretty. But for right now, these are the six things that came to me. And I'm using them in couplets, right? So the first couplet is mindset and mentors, okay? And when I talk about mindset, I talk about primarily um, having an orientation towards learning. Um, being open and not just learning for the sake of learning, but taking mistakes and learning from those mistakes and taking the mistakes of other people and learning from those mistakes to improve myself and improve my condition and improve my environment. Um, I feel like if I did not have that orientation towards learning, I would have succumbed to the negativity that so many of us do. Um, when people hear about some of my backstory, they're often like, well, why, why would you keep, you know, pushing through? Why would you keep doing all that? 
I don't know no other way. You know, I don't have an answer for that outside of the fact that I've been raised and designed to learn from mistakes and not take mistakes as final, right? But take mistakes as a way to facilitate success because you know, okay, this doesn't work now. Let me do something different. We, with, with that, um, resilience is a part of my, my mindset of my story. Um, I've taken a lot of L's. I'm willing to admit that, right? Um, not everything I've done, everything I do has been, quote unquote, the right way or successful, right? But through that, um, I have learned the ability, as much to me, the ability to fail and get back up and do it again is a lot more beneficial than to do it right the first time. When you have success initially at something or you you don't put in the effort to improve. But when you fail at something, you take the time to improve and get better because you weren't good at it at first. We all have natural gifts and talents and abilities that we've been blessed with. Um, I naturally am good at talking to people, right? So for a long period of time, I didn't feel like I needed to learn how to cultivate that skill because I know how to talk. That's not necessarily true, right? There, you have to continue to develop and grow and even stuff you're strong in. Um, and that's kind of what resilience is. Um, lastly, as it relates to mindset, is having insight and perspective, right? How you view the world will determine how you move in. If you view the world as this negative place that everybody's out to get you, that's all you'll get and that's all you'll find. Um, and for a long period of my life, that's how I viewed the world. Based on what I went through in my life, I felt like everybody was out to get me. Everybody would disappoint me. Everybody would let me down. There was no love in the world for Lamar. And when I began to shift that perspective, um, my life improved significantly because I realized there was a lot more good than I was giving myself, my people, and the world credit for, right? And with that comes insight, being able to look into yourself. And for me, a gift I have is being able to look into other people and find in them what they can't find in themselves. Um, and that leads me to my next point of mentorship and coaching. Um, I'll give a brief story to make this make sense. Um, how many years? This had to be before the pandemic. Um, one day, my son was out of For some reason, my son was with me for a day. We just was moving around doing stuff. And one of the things I did was I went to a therapy session with my therapist I was seeing at the time. And, you know, he just was in the waiting room while I was having my session or whatever. And when we were leaving and getting in the car, he was like, I got a question. He might have been like 14, 15. I was like, what's up? He's like, hey, man, uh, why do you have a therapist? Aren't you a therapist? I said, absolutely. I was like, well, Kobe had a coach. LeBron had a coach. Even the best player needs somebody to point some stuff out to him where they can improve. He's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I correlate that with my experience because due to the fact of not having a father, right? I didn't know this at the time, but I developed insight in myself and realizing that throughout my life, I've always sought the counsel of older men, especially older black men, um, and having having them in my life as certain key components um, has definitely helped push me through, right? Because there are things you just don't know when you're 
going through and trying to figure stuff out, right? So you have to have these models there for you to improve and give you another perspective. Um, that also leads to your development, right? So beyond the coaching, you have to continue to seek mentors so you can develop yourself. Even if they don't know they're your mentors, they are mentors that I have. If you look behind me, I'm gonna duck my head down. I know I got a big head, let me duck it down. That gentleman right there, Muhammad Ali is my mentor, although I have never met him. He has since transitioned to be with the ancestors. Why is that? Because I looked at his model. I admired the humanitarian that this person was, right? So we view mentorship purely as a person who we pay and we meet every month or whatever. No, these are people, whether they be physically here to help offer you feedback and advice and counsel, or these are people whose model that you look at and you try to emulate, right? And I think of two people who couldn't probably be further apart, but their connecting point is me. Um, my person I consider my first mentor, Dr. Boyd Petwe, who was the head of the African um, American Psychology Department at Sinclair in Dayton, where I'm originally from. Him connecting with me at that period in life in which he did help push me into the work that I do today. I wouldn't be community-based. I wouldn't be working with people. I wouldn't be doing anything while I'm doing if his mentorship at that critical stage in my life wasn't there. And I also, uh, one of my professors, Dr. Keith Dowd um, at Wittenberg University, he was my sociology professor. He's a white man. His expertise is in um, Bosnian studies, right? But he treats me, he calls me his son. He treats me like I'm his family. When I come to Dayton, I visit him and his wife and we hang out like he, so I, I don't look at it like that. And he knows my affinity. He actually taught African-American social thought class, right? So he understands to as, as much as he can and tries to understand what that experience is and why I'm dedicated to what I'm dedicated to. And he's always supported that, never questioned that, right? So it's important, again, the first couplet of M's is your mindset and having mentors to help cultivate that mindset. Um, but to be clear, there's no better mind, there's no better mentor than the one you have internally and being connected to your higher source. But I just wanna make sure I throw that out there as well. The second couplet is a uh, movement towards moments, right? And what I mean by that is take action. Um, many of us have moments and opportunities for greatness and success, and we don't move that way, right? We don't move towards action. We move away from it, we shy up, we, we ball up, we're fearful, not even just of failure, right? But we're fearful of success. And that fear of success keeps us from even taking action. We're paralyzed by the thought of what if everything I want in my life came true? What if, what if it came true? You know what I'm saying? Let that breathe, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. When the, when the pastor said you preaching, you know, you. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. That means a lot. I don't even think you understand. So that means a whole lot coming for you. Bro, I, 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 I'm, I'm taking notes. This going, this going, you don't preach from the pulpit, but this will. Amen. Let, let, I'm going to give you credit the first time I use it. Hey, man, let the Lord work. I don't be tripping, man. I'm not tripping, which leads me to the point, right? We, we move in towards moments of opportunity. And all of us are here because, how do I'm trying to say this when I get too emotional, 
all of us are here. We're all a mashup of all of these experiences, right? And the things that we do that matter, matter because we take action and we move, right? Um, there's a phrase that come, I don't know, I can't off the top of my head know where it is in the Bible, but they often, it's, they say it so much as cliche, right? The faith without works is dead. It's so cliche. People say it so much. They don't even mean that no more, right? People, oh, people that works dead. What does that mean? When you really look at it, when you say the, the faith without works part, yeah, you can believe in some, if you ain't moving towards it, what are you doing, right? But the last part is the part, I'm gonna touch on this as I close, is it didn't say it, it, it is stalled or it's delayed. No, it said it's dead. Die, not coming back. You can't resuscitate unenacted uh, faith because it's dead. When something dead, you can't bring it back unless you, you know, God, Jesus, whatever, but you understand my point. And so when opportunities come, we raise our awareness to these opportunities for success. And, it, and we think about success oftentimes as these external trappings, right? Oh man, I'm, I can buy this new car. I can get this new polo shirt. I can get whatever it is that you desire. And I don't want to um, downplay anybody's because we all have things we want. But when I mean opportunities for success, I mean ways to step outside of our comfort zone, challenge our norm as we understand it and stretch ourselves to a new understanding. That is an opportunity. It could be as simple as reaching out to somebody you haven't talked to in a long time because maybe y'all fell out about something real petty. That's a stretch. You don't have to do that. But when you do that, you develop yourself as a human. And for me, one of the biggest movements towards a moment I've taken is when I moved to Atlanta. I can't attest to it the most. Um, in Dayton, at the time I was there, before I left, I think I reached as high as I could reach as I was doing music at the time. So, so I, well, I, well, what I was doing, I did the best I could do, right? And obviously, Atlanta is, is a bigger city than Dayton. There's more opportunity and things like that, but it's also harder, right? And if I shied away from the opportunity, even though I didn't succeed in the way I thought I would as a young man in, in my 20s, I have succeeded in so many other ways and I've been able to help so many other people based on what I, I was able to step out and say, I believe enough in myself to take this opportunity and make something happen. And to me, the safest bet and the most fruitful bet will always be the one you place on yourself. I bet on me because I know what I'm made of. I know the cloth I'm cut from. I know the, the people's who, who bloodline, who I carry. I respect my ancestors. I respect my higher power. And I know with that, I can't be stopped. I believe that. I may not always display that because some people, they just have a real intense energy and you just like, oh yeah, they, I don't always convey that. And that's intentional. But what I do know about myself and my story is that I have a track record of pushing through and that track record of pushing through has helped so many other people push through and that's why i continue to go which leads me to my nat my closing point the, the so the first couplet is mindset and mentors the second couplet is movement towards moments and the third and last couplet is memento mori now this is a concept right it's a latin term that means remember you have to die or remember you're mortal 
Where does this come from? Way back in Roman times, when, when successful people, they would have these parades for successful people. They would pay workers, I'm not gonna call them slaves, they would pay workers to sit on the side and tell them in their ear, mental mori, remember you're gonna die. All this stuff that you're seeing right here, it don't mean nothing because you're, you're, you're normal like everybody else, even me. Remember, you're going to die. Remember, you're going to die. What, what does that mean? What do I take from that? It means that no matter how high or how low I get or how high or how, high or how low you get, we have an opportunity to do something in this moment. This moment is the only moment that counts. We think in our mind that one of the greatest lies we tell ourselves, and it's a comfortable lie, is that we have more time. I'll do it tomorrow. There's, there's an old, is, is, it, is it whining? Um, tomorrow, ain't that what it's called? But yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, no, no, I'll call Kev tomorrow. What if Kev ain't here tomorrow? I'm not speaking that on him. I'm just being honest. These things happen every day. You can see somebody, talk to them. I'm sure all of us, if we spend time, we think about somebody we talk to at one point in the day, later in that day, you find out they're no longer with us. These things happen all the time. And when you do not take advantage of these opportunities that you have, these moments to connect, these moments to share your story, share what you have, you miss the opportunity to have something that lasts. And for me, that's what motivates my story. It's always motivated my story because I realize that this isn't promised. I'm not, as much as I would love to be here, live to be 175 years old, in reality, that's not true. I don't have 175 years. I do have 40, because I've already lived up. Prayerfully, I live to see another one. But my point is we spend so much time wasting energy on things that do not last. But your impact, the gifts you share, taking action, moving towards these moments, developing your mindset, engaging with mentors, finding people, developing your tribe, and just sharing your gifts with the world does last. Because ultimately, and we say this, and, and I'm sure the pastor has, has officiated many of these homegoing services. And I used to work in a funeral home for a period of time. And what one thing I do know, A, many people don't prepare for funerals. They don't expect it coming. That's why they have fish fries and they have GoFundMe's and they take, hey, can you, um, excuse me, sir, can, can you donate $50? I got to bury my grandma's, right? Because you're not prepared for it because you think you're going to be here. And it's really unfortunate that people don't prepare for the inevitable, but they don't live. How many people have we seen in their funeral and they just didn't live? They didn't live because they were so busy worrying about things that do not last. M moods, emotions, these are fleeting things. But what lasts is what you believe in and what you stand on in the character that you possess. And I believe that as a man and as a human, my objective is to make this place better than when I got it. And that Ultimately, Kev, when you ask me to talk about my story, that is ultimately my story, is that when I'm no longer here, prayerfully, it's no time soon, but that's not my call. So I can just make the most of the time I have now, and that's what I choose to do. That is a conscious decision that I choose to make every day. 
Um, does that not mean I don't get we don't get caught up in the day to day stuff? Absolutely. You know, I got kids, I got I got wife, I got situations. Stuff don't work for me like it's supposed to all the time. Does that take does that negate my mission? Absolutely not. And I take that mission very seriously. So I'll leave you all with this. And if there's any questions or anybody want to ask me anything or whatever, um, there's a quote that I want to leave you all with. You could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and think. And that's a quote from Marcus Aurelius. You could leave right now. So let that determine how you move moving forward. Let that determine the type of person you want to be. If this was it, this is how I wanted to go for me. How I was living at a period of my life was not. So I always challenge myself to be better. I challenge you all to be better. I thank you for your time. And that's all I really have, son. Yo. <laughs> Bro, I appreciate you, man, coming on and, and, and dropping them. I got a question for you, though. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What do you tell a young man that walks up to you and has a father that is similar to you? To what you had sure and he's going through some of the same situations that you went through as a as a child what do you tell him now because of the man that you are as opposed to where your mind was when you were his age mm. some wounds don't heal and you have to be okay with that. Um, no matter how many ways you try to fill that hole, um, sometimes it just doesn't heal. Um, no matter how many women you sleep with, how many drugs you ingest, how much food you eat, how handsome you think you are, how much um, inflated ego you tell yourself, how much money you make, how many houses you get, how many cars you have, none of that will fill that hole that is missing. Um, I have found there's only one thing that can potentially fill that hole. And I wanna make sure I'm clear, is you believing in something greater than yourself. Whatever that may be for people, that's not my place to judge. Because if you don't, and you feel like you can heal yourself through these fleeting things, you're wasting time. And by the time you figure out all the stuff you did that you thought was making you feel better about a person who's supposed to love and care for you not doing that, you're pushing yourself further away from your purpose. So I tell any young man, and I see many young men who have this same pain, is to invest in you developing yourself love who loves you give the gold stars to the people in your life who deserve them we put shoulds on a lot of stuff well my dad should my mama should my grandma should whose expectations are you holding it to people are people that are going to do what people do i would tell any young person that where you are now is not where you want to be but the choices that you make now can definitely impact where you're going to be. If you choose to let anger and hate fuel you at a point, you'll realize that's not going to be enough. 
if you don't heal, spend your energy towards healing, you will hurt more people through your dysfunction because you make a conscious choice as a man to either build or destroy as the lustrous load of lux would say. If you're not gonna build, you, you're destroying something and you not doing anything is also destructive. And I would tell that young man or the young Lamar that something my, my grandfather told me that I didn't understand until I became a man. You can't lose love where there was no love in the first place. If a person loves you, you know, they're going to show you, even if it's wrong how they show you, they're going to show you that they love you in some way. If a person has repeatedly shown you how they feel about you, at a point, you can no longer invest energy in that relationship, even if it is a parent. Why? Because the energy you spend trying to invest in that relationship, you take away from developing your relationship with yourself. So I would tell that young person to lead with love, know that you have to love you, know that a person's lack of interest in you does not mean that you're any less worthy. It just simply means that they don't understand your worth, but that has nothing to do with you. Worry about what you can control, which is your responses, your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions, the work you put in on yourself, the, the value you give to the world. Everything else is outside of your control, including the decisions of another person. Um, and yeah, for the sake of brevity, bro, that's where I would say, it. I would say it a little more, um, what's the word I want to use? A little more, what's the young people say? With a little more, little more sauce? I would say with a little more sauce while I was talking to the young person. But <laughs> I would get my point across in, in such a way. But that, that's what I would say. Um, I got excited. one more question for you. I got one more. Go right ahead, bro. This is your time. I'm just here to help. What do you, what do you say to people who... Um, I think we talked a little bit about it on Thursday, but um, in the black community, we don't, we look to the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when everything happens in our life, bad, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in a black community, we are afraid to go to counseling or therapy because of how we were viewed, you know what I mean? Or how we viewed it, you know what I mean? Coming up, oh, you in counseling, so you crazy. Oh. Are you in therapist? You're you in therapy, so you crazy. Like, so what do you, what do you say to someone who is afraid, possibly of, you know, I guess you know when you when you get in counseling, a lot of old things show up. Right. You know, a lot of we have that trauma where, a lot of times, like you can ask somebody or you know somebody that something may have happened to, and then you ask them today, they'd be like, oh, that didn't happen. Right. We we put it away and. But there's there's still hurt and pain there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what do you say to someone who is just not comfortable with counseling or therapy? And you know, as far as you know, the black community. Um, I think of two two brief brief things I've heard that I think one's a story and one's a phrase. Uh, many years ago, I um, when I was an undergrad, so definitely was many years ago. 
I won a, a, a scholarship for an organization and at the banquet was Reverend Floyd Flake. He's a, a big uh, pastor out of um, New York, but he was the president of Wilberforce at the time. And he said something that I never, at the time, I'd never heard. Again, I was raised in the church, so I've heard a lot of sermons in my day. Um, but one of the things that he said that I never heard at that time, a man say, was, um, you know, there's no guarantee that there's a heaven. We don't know. Nobody's ever come back and really told us. We don't know. We've never been. We don't know if there's a heaven. And I was like, where is he going with this? It totally threw me off, right? This is what he, what he said. I never heard it put this way. But for sure, you're here. We're here right now. And you got to make the best of this while you're here. Um, because you can bring heaven to earth or you can bring hell on earth. That choice is on you. And I meditated on that ever since I heard that probably 20 years ago, that if you, if you spend time in the clouds, you're going to trip on a rock down here while you're walking somewhere. You can look in the clouds and walk into the clouds. If you stay too much up there, you're going to miss something down here. Many of us stay in the clouds because we don't want to deal with what's here, what's present, what's now. Which leads me to my other point that you said about things that come up, things we may not want to face. There's a, and you may, you may have heard me say this story before, but there's a, there's a, a, a fable, a parable, whatever, um, of this emperor. Um, he liked playing these little, I guess, jokes or games or whatever on his subjects. So one day he buried um, a fortune in the middle of the main road um, where, he's, where he, he ruled and he took a big boulder and he placed the boulder on top of this fortune. He's put it right in the middle of the busiest road. So he just sat in his palace day after day and watched people just like try to push the rock, try to move. They just could never do so. Eventually they just left the rock alone until one day a guy kind of examines the rock and he's looking at it and he takes a beam, creates a lever, props the rock up, finds the fortune, right? And that story is set up to discuss how the obstacles we face are the way to our success. If we don't face the things that frighten us, um, when you deal with a person who has severe anxiety, they do what's, we do what's called exposure therapy, where bit by bit you expose a person to the thing they're afraid of to eventually realize it ain't that big of a deal, right? And not saying that things we experience aren't big deals, but what I am saying is that if we don't face what it is we're fearful of, we can't heal. If I don't go to the doctor and I have a cough and I keep coughing and I just, cause I'm cool, I take some NyQuil, I'll sleep on it, whatever, and I cough long enough until eventually when I finally end up going to the doctor, oh, you got bronchitis, you got lung cancer, you got this, you got that, because we don't take care of it, right? We're afraid to go, but we don't want to hear what they say, right? You cannot allow fear to paralyze you. And I think that the fear of exposing yourself, being vulnerable with another human being is hard, but 
I can speak to this experience of counseling, this experience, not just from being a therapist, but sitting on the other side of the couch. You benefit from having somebody in your corner who has your back, A, B, from somebody who can help you identify some of the things you think and feel that are in misalignment with your higher purpose. Something that my therapist told me that I tell people all the time, you already come here perfect as you are. Not saying you're without flaw, but saying that you are good as you are. And my job is to, A, this is where my part comes in, to let you know when you say, when you act, when you think in ways that go against that greatness, that divinity, that perfection that's already there. So when you say certain things that don't even sound right, I have to address it. The other thing is to affirm in you what's already there. You're already dope. You're already great. Who doesn't need to hear every now and then, yo, you're dope, man. You're doing great stuff. Yeah, you may have this, that, and the third going on, but as you are right now, you're already amazing. And that doesn't mean there's not work to do. That doesn't mean you haven't been through anything. That doesn't mean you don't have pain. Quite the contrary. You do, and still you overcame. That's what the counseling experience is supposed to be. I admit, not everybody gets that experience. I admit, sometimes you sit across somebody who doesn't understand. I admit, sometimes you come across people who are just trying to get a check. And I feel terrible for those people. But I speak for myself. And those of us in my profession and even um, in the spiritual realm, like pastor, things like that, there are those of us who do this because we don't know what else to do. I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't be anything but a therapist. I've tried it. It didn't work for me, right? And I'm sure much like you, pastor, it's the same thing. I can't, you keep, what, what are you going to do? Sell cars? Like, what are you going to do? He's a pastor. That's what he is. He, he'll be at the pre-selling cars. Hey, brother, let me just tell you about this man called Jesus. Like, that's what, what you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? So my point is, um, for those of us who really about this work, like, it, it hurts me that people have the experiences that they have. And there are people who are still apprehensive about this counseling experience because they met the wrong person. They've been around, whatever. But ultimately, bro, um, Something that uh, my grandfather, may he you know, rest with the ancestors, would say is that I would much rather, you know, I'm a parallel, I would much rather live my life the right way and find out there ain't none than live my life the wrong way and find out there is a heaven or a hell, right? And what I mean by that is I'd much rather try to get the help I need. I would try to work through my problems. I would try to talk to somebody. I would try counseling. I would try going to church or going to the temple or the mosque, whatever it is you do. I would try to get back in my community. I would try to go to my doctor. I would try to be a good husband or wife or try to be a good father or mother. I would try to be a good son, grandson, nephew, uncle, goddad, OG, big bruh, whatever. Did not to. And therapy is just one of those pathways to be able to access that um, better part of yourself. And that's what I do. And then I speak for those of us in my profession and parallel professions who do that. I know that was a long answer, but 
Y'all got me on the road. You you woke me up from the nap, so you you gonna do everything <laughs> I was sleeping on. So, <laughs> nah, that's it for me, bro. I you know I just wanted to you know because I, I feel like people need to hear that, man. Um, you know I I thought you were gonna go in, go into uh you know something your dad told you um when it came to the you know the the scripture that he he quoted you when you quoted to you when you were a kid, but. You know, you know, I mean, we, we ain't got to go there. You know we don't, be, be, you know, because ultimately um, that moment in time um, shaped who I am today. And without going through that experience, uh, I wouldn't be here. And I can look back based on my mindset now and be grateful for it because it taught me something. Um, and I'm able to connect with other people based on an experience I had. And something that uh, I'm going to close with, sir, is that um, the devil don't need no help, man. So I don't know. I know I don't need to advocate for the devil. You ain't going to get the devil no space. So we're just going to do what we do. Keep it, keep it, keep it pushing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't believe in being the devil's advocate. Or, That's right. Man, so the devil don't need no help. He, he, he got it. You're right. He got it. So ain't nobody need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> No, listen, bro. Listen, I thank you, man, for even coming on and and get, bro. You, man. Every time you, I, I look forward to hearing you talk, bro, because it, it's therapy for me. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, thanks, man. I'm so yeah, I'm so yeah. blessed to hear that. For sure, I appreciate you, bro. Um, yeah. Anybody got any questions for Lamar at all? Anything? How do people go about getting therapy? Um, happy people go about you mean specifically or help me specifically understand? or through the organization that you're with? Oh, 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 okay. Um, thank you. That's the question. So, I partner with um, the Total Access Foundation down here in Atlanta. Um, and our objective is to provide access to um, mental health services and reduce the barriers to just that inroad into um, therapy. Um, and that's the totalaccessfoundation.org. Um, you know, for me, you can reach out um, lewisfamilyconsulting.net. Um, but if you're looking to me specifically for therapy, um, obviously there's a lot of red tape due to legalities, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, if you reach out to me, even if I can't help you specifically, um, put my information there. Um, I can help guide you in that direction uh, more offline. There's a lot of different resources that are available that, you know, I you know, sometimes my, I'm not able to facilitate what a person needs. So, you know, I have no problem. I have a big network, make referrals and things like that. So, yeah. So, but I, I'll put my info in the chat. You know, hopefully that'll at least facilitate the conversation if you all um are interested in further you know discussion yes sir yes sir anybody else anything okay man we look like we we gucci bro but listen man, I, always bro appreciate you and uh you know big things that are coming that's all i'm gonna say Indeed. <laughs> i'm just I'm, I'm gonna sit back and i'm gonna i'm now i'm gonna shut up and listen yeah, big I know, thing. I know, I know we got the home run hitter coming in. So I'm just going to just sit back <laughs> and just 
I'm, I'm excited to hear, bro. For real, man. You know, I'm, I'm just going. I'm just going. But thank you. I appreciate everybody, man. For sure, yes, sir. Pastor Lance Pernell, <laughs> you have the floor. Um, you know, everybody. He gonna give us a word. You know, there's not a way that he can explain anything without giving the word in the middle of that. <laughs> so we're gonna let him rock. We're gonna we're gonna let him do his thing. I ain't even gonna listen. You just tell me when you're done. I, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, first I I just like to thank uh thank my cousin Kev for uh providing this platform. It's very uh I know how hard it is to put put on a program, you know, the behind the scenes things that you got to do. Uh and, and, and everything of that. So I just want to encourage you to keep going, keep pushing. And, uh, you know, this is only the beginning. Uh, you know, I like to thank uh, Lamar. Appreciate you. I always enjoy. It. And, and I, 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 when I see you on the fly, I get excited. I mean, I, my man, I, I know you go, you drop gems, and you know, you you may you can say you ain't preaching, but you preaching, bro. <laughs> you so uh I, I i thank you uh i thank everybody that's on the call i apologize that i got on late i had uh, a uh i had to jump into pastoral duties uh at the last minute so uh i do apologize amen but uh so uh this was a a, a topic that uh i said i'm not gonna write no notes on and, you know, so I'm a, one of the things at the church, we say we humble, open, and transparent. So I'm going to be all of those things. And Kev said, just talk about your life and stuff like that. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, uh, well, I'm going to give you this quote first that somebody that I heard, somebody said, uh, if, what would you want them to say at, on your eulogy? for your eulogy what would you want them to say about you at your funeral and what do, what 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 you want them to say at your funeral are you living like that you know because we got to start with what 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 do we want our end to be you know we have to set a goal we have to set have some type of plan some type of result that we want the end to be now are you living and making necessary steps and adjustments to become that? Or is that just a fantasy? You know, and uh, I'm going to start and talk about my, my, my growing up. Uh, but I think sometimes, uh, you know, when you get to a certain point, um, if you're not careful, your, your story or your testimony starts to get a little bit of barrier. And so we never really say it, but uh, you know, I grew up in the hood like most people have. Uh, you know, um, I went through that season. I, I don't have that same thing when my dad wasn't there, but I did go through a season. My dad was there, but my dad was a was an alcoholic. He was a he was a drug addict and, and things of that sort. So uh, it was times where I, I lived in a house that just was a house. I thank God for the roof over my head, but that was all it was. It didn't have no lights, no gas, no heat, no water, no nothing. And uh, you know, those are some of the struggles that I uh, 
I went through growing up. I, so um, what was naturally to me, I turned to the streets and did everything that I was big enough and bad enough to do. Uh, one of the things that I, I grew up, man, I, I resented my family, yo. You know, a lot of people don't know that, but I resented my family. And it was just like, because after I realized, I just thought that no one thought that I was worth anything. Like nobody in my family, like it wasn't nothing that I couldn't do that people just wouldn't accept. There was no expectation. It was no nothing. So I just felt like, you know, no one thought that I would be anything, you know, and just, you know, living life, not expecting to live, you know, I I, at some point, I knew that I was going to die. You know what I mean? So whatever happened didn't matter. Whatever I did didn't matter. I was, I was reckless. I was fearless. I was everything. And uh, I, I was just risking my life because I thought that I was going to die. I was, you know, I had uh, older church folk that lived on my block tell me I wasn't going to make it to 21. You know what I mean? And uh, I think... You know, I was felling in school, you know, uh, I was in my second year, ninth grade, getting ready to fell again. And uh, I was high, so I was hungry and I ain't had no money. And I had something on my roster called culinary arts. And uh, one of the young ladies that I was, I was hanging out with at the time was like, oh man, I'm about to go to culinary arts. Let me get something to eat. And I was like, well, how are you going to eat in art class? You know, I didn't even know it was, it was, she was like, that's cooking. So I said, all right, well, I was hungry. I went to cooking class and it was my, it was my, uh, my actual homeroom teacher. So when she was taking role and things of that sort, I, I, I raised my hand and she said, I said, you know, she just called my name out, just calling it. And when I said here, she said, stand up. She said, well, you're in my homeroom teacher, my homeroom class. She was from downside. She was like, you better get your hind pots to my advisory every day. I don't care if you don't go to no other class. And that was the first time in my life somebody had like positive expectations for me. So now I'm doing all this stuff. I'm out, you know, with the fellow. I said, listen, I gotta, I'll be right back. I gotta go to homeroom. I mean, I would go to homeroom, leave, we would do what we do. I would get back enough time to go to her class, which was like the end of the day. And uh, that that lady, you know, changed my life around because she wouldn't accept nothing. She would she didn't see me as uh, a failure or anything like that. She just was like, "You can do these things." And that level of expectation. One day, she told me to be to be to school at six o'clock in the morning because she wanted me to cook for the mayor. I was like. Baby, you lost your mind. Six o'clock in the morning, you know, and and I ain't never said nothing to my parents about it. I never said nothing to my mom. I live with my mom. I never said nothing to her about it, you know, uh, things of that sort, you know. And uh, I, I just woke up that that morning and went to school at, at, at left the house at five o'clock in the morning, walked to school, and got there. And from that moment on, just that little bit of expectation had um, changed my life. You know, from that moment on, I started going to school. I was hanging out. I said, listen, I'm about to go to class. So I got to go to class. If it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't have graduated high school. Um, 
and just, you know, I went to school. I was still doing my thing. Still, you know, I was selling drugs. I was doing all kinds of other stuff. And uh, and one day I, I was, you know, hanging out, and people in my people in my crew, you know, started getting hunted down. You know, I think uh, they killed, you know, had some beef with some Jamaicans, and uh, some they killed they killed three of them, three people in the crew, and I was like, you know. I ran into the army. I mean, I I went. I was scared to death. I told the recruit. I I just so happened that he gave me his card like the day before. I called him up and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna come down and take the test. Took the test, pass the test." I was like, "All right, come on, I want to go." He was like, "Well, you can leave next month." I said, "I ain't gonna make it till next month." He said, "Well, we got a class that's gonna leave next week." I said, "I ain't gonna make it till next week." You know, I was scared to death. You know what I mean? And it was the first time in my life that I actually wanted to live. You know what I mean? That I was scared to die. And I was probably 19, 19 or 20. And uh, that recruiter, he, he, he came and got me. And he, uh, I left that weekend. He put me in a hotel room for three days because I didn't think that I was going to make it to the weekend. He put me in a hotel room for three days until the, the thing left. And, um, you know, I went to the military, came back, and uh, it changed my whole perspective on, on life. I came back and went to the corner. I said, man, I can't do this. And I, and I, and I uh, went to this, to, this, uh, to this church called, uh, it used to be called Gethsemane, when my dad took me there when I was like eight. But when I when I came back from the military, they had moved and it was now called the Barbers. And I, I found them, went there, started going to church, and like you know, it just like uh, with something that Lewis said, I did everything in my power not to be like my dad. I mean, so you would never hear me sing. You would never hear me see me pick up any musical instrument. You know what I mean? You would never, uh, you would never see me pick up any alcohol, or pick up or a cigarette or anything. You know I mean, I would never do drugs. Like I, I didn't want to be like him to the point where I did everything in my power to do everything opposite of him, and. Uh, <clears throat> and that was, uh, you know, when you feel like, you know, you, when you feel like your family could care less if you live or you die, you know, it's a tough space to be in because you feel like you ain't got nobody. And I think that was the the, the most, uh, the hardest thing that I had to deal with after I got saved. I got saved, you know, I could... You know, as men, we um, uh, compartmentalize things. So I put that in the vault, locked it off, and was moving forward. But I got to a certain point in life where I could no longer, I could not go any further in life without addressing this. You know what I mean? Because it would it would hinder any type of relationship that I would have. You know what I mean, I could have a committed relationship with a woman because the love that was trying to change, it would bring up 
that insecurity. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't get close to anybody really that wasn't like I couldn't get close to no type of father figure. You know what I mean? Because it was like, you know, oh no, it, it just, and not that I thought that they was bad. Not that I, I, I thought that all people were bad and stuff like that. I just didn't want to deal with the pain that I would have to endure the hill. You know, when you get surgery, you get surgery on something, it probably don't hurt as bad when you get the surgery. After you come out of surgery, it hurt even worse than before you went in. I mean, and the healing process hurts. And a lot of times we try to avoid the pain of the healing. So we rather be, you can be hurt. You can be not hurt. You can be, uh, you can be hurt, but not in pain. I mean, you can be wounded, but not in pain. And we rather be broken without pain instead of go through the healing process because it's going to bring up the pain. And that, that, that was the crossroad that I was at. And it was uh, a decision that I, I mean, my family knows some of them on it. You know what I mean? I went through a phase for years, no one seen me. I mean, it was years where no one seen me. And I was in church. You know what I mean? I was in church. I was growing. I was getting closer to God. I was doing, I was trying to live the right, the best I could, doing all these things. But I couldn't expose myself. I I wouldn't expose myself to family because I felt like the the pain that I got from that uh, from that situation was just too much and it would be it would it would stunt my growth and it's a shame because you know uh and sometimes you know sometimes it's, it's real life situations that, that that dictate that and you know you have the the, the the enemy that play on your mind that make something small look become something big and because whatever what you don't address you know at the at the beginning if you don't address it in the beginning it's some, it'll grow to something very big and it'll become a, that, that becomes your giant. And, uh, um, I just, you know, it was something that I just had to work on and I had to be willing to endure some pain and stuff like that, 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 uh, you know, I, I thank God that I did it now, you know, uh, you know, because, you know, uh, I, the relationships and stuff that I have with my family and stuff like that now is just, just tremendous. Me and my dad have an excellent relationship, you know. Uh, me and my brother, anybody know me and my brother, my man, they know every time we got together, we would fight. You know what I mean? It, you, he couldn't say nothing to me. I was swinging first and tried to keep swinging till, it was, till, the last, till I was the last one. I mean, we knocked over Christmas trees. You know what I mean? You, you, we fought on Christmas at grandma's house. So, like, it was just that 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 sense of uh, and and you know I I don't know if he he felt the same way but I I felt like I wasn't treated like everybody else was treated you know what I mean I felt like they 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 had expectations for other people 
which made it worse. Like if it was if it wasn't an expectation for nobody, then that was just what the family was. But for the fact that it was expectations for others, what no nobody really cared. You know what I mean? I went to Jersey for a summer when I was 14 years old and ain't nobody care. You know what I mean? Like I could disappear for weeks at a time at the age of 13, 12, like, and would nobody care. You know what I mean? Wouldn't nobody say that. And I come back and they'd be like, hey, where are you at? You know what I mean? Like, wasn't nobody looking for you. You know what I'm saying? And as I as I as I raised my son, I'm like, man, I don't even understand what, what we was thinking. I don't even understand how I could leave the house as a freshman, 14 years old, to go to school at like 4:30 in the morning and my mom not know or ever say anything else about it. You know what I mean? Like I did this was like I was just like, and it was, you know, it was, it was just tough mentally. And um, and I probably should have sat on somebody's couch and talked about it, you know, but I never got that opportunity because, you know, I, it just, it just a lot of things just wasn't an option for me, you know. Uh, um, so, but it was the moment you know, and so for, for, for me, it's like, you know, God really saved my life. You know what I mean? Jesus really saved my life because he, it allowed me to open up and to, you know, deal with some past pain and past traumas and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I, I, growing up, I could literally count. I, I know how many times my dad ever told me he loved me. You know what I mean? Like, like I literally know. You know what I mean? And it's 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 on one hand. You know what I mean? That my father told me he loved me. You know what I mean? And uh being a father now, like today I just came from my son just lost the championship game. You know what I mean? And uh he was on the field. I mean, boo horn. You know what I mean? I I, I, you know, I let them, I'll give them space, you know, kids, kids, you know, family was all out there and stuff like that. But it wasn't until his father came out there and I pulled them away from everybody. I said, hey, man, I love you. You know what I mean? And I'm proud of you. Good season. You know what I'm saying? You matured. You grew up and you've advanced so much in the season. One game, one moment doesn't define the whole season. I mean, now let's get it together. And we after that conversation, we went and was able to, you know, he got himself together and was able to talk to the he had he had like former teammates from this Pop Warner team that was on the other team. So we went over there and talked to them and stuff like that. But like it it was the affirming of a father that uh, a lot of us don't get, that a lot of us uh, are missing, you know. And I think about how I how I I'm hands on with my son. I shaped him. I molded him. I like uh, you know he is you know like the tenacity and a lot of things that he get from me and. Um, I know we say that, I know we say that, uh, 
when 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 you know I didn't have, when fathers aren't there. When fathers aren't there, because my father was he was he was there, but he wasn't present. You know, me growing up. But when fathers aren't there, um, I think it was better for him to even be there than just not be there at all. Um, but when 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 fathers aren't there, one thing I know you have to trust God that He has a plan for you, and I'm not taking them off the hook. They should they should have been there. They should have you know, but. One one man's this one man's bad decision shouldn't define who you are. And sometimes God'll God would it, it, it would be better. It would be better for you to deal with the pain of his absence than the consequences of his presence. Because I look at how much I how much influence and impact I have on my son. And some of the, the men that walked away, the, the influence and impact that they would have had over us, if they would have been there every step of the way, like we wanted them to be, would have been detrimental to us. <laughs> You know, it, it, <laughs> you know, it, oh man, no, I, I, I just like it, and, and I feel like it's a strong attack. It's a strong attack on 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 ment- on our mental that we have because, you know, we, we just got to allow ourselves to not make excuses. You know, I, I understand that life does happen and we conquer things and stuff like that, but we, we, we got to show resiliency. And, 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 and I, I had one of these games just came out. I, what game came out? Uh, I'm not sure what game was. I don't play games though. But uh, I, I don't no, I, I don't play games not because I don't like games. I don't, if you're a gamer, be a gamer. But one time I got on the game and I missed the whole day and I couldn't, you know, I don't know. I ain't eat. I ain't use the bed. I ain't did nothing. I was like, whoa! I, I didn't never. This this ain't for me. I was like, whoa! You know, <laughs> I was on the game. It was eight hours later. I said, oh, and, and I was making my I was in in, in my player mode right on on two K. All right, I was on my player mode, and I started out as at the bottom rookie mode, and I ain't had, had nothing and stuff like that. And I was so willing to get my player up to this certain level that I spent hours, hours just playing and developing my player, and you know. I went into the what's it called when you go and you play with other players on the court and you can play against and 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 you went to the rack. That's where you went. <laughs> All right. So we went to the rack and you could play against other people. And I seen somebody, their level was way high. And I was like, man, 
I got to get my player to that level. And I was investing all of this time. It was certain times that I had to, like, you know, I you know, I had to pay some money to get certain things. And, and it was crazy because I was willing to invest all of these things. I was willing to invest all of these things into my player. And when I got off that game and I stepped away and I said, man, I invested time, energy, and money into an avatar, but unwilling to do the same thing for me. Because even though I may be at the bottom level in life, if you started with absolutely nothing, you can look at somebody and say, I want to be that. And if you put the same time, effort, energy, invest the money into you, eventually you will get to a level where you can look at yourself and say, I'm proud of that. You know what I mean? I'm proud of that. And we do it with games and we do it with everything else. But for some reason, we don't have enough self-esteem. And I'm going to say this tomorrow. So if y'all listen tomorrow, you know, y'all, y'all just, I mean, but I got to say it. But, you know, act like y'all like heard it for the first time. I don't know if my church on here. I got to see. I don't know how my wife on here, but uh, I'm going to say it tomorrow. But one of the things, it says gifts and callings come without repentance. So the, so the enemy can't ungift you. So because he can't ungift you, he tries another strategy. So because he can't take your competence, he tries to take your confidence. So because he can't take your competence, he takes your confidence. So you'll have all of the tools and the resources that you need with inside of you. But because you have no confidence in you, you'll never use them. You know? And a lot of times we have everything that we need to get to where we need to get to. But because we have no confidence in ourselves, we have no confidence in our own ability. We look at ourselves, you know, well, since, you know, I'm going to throw this out there. In, in Numbers 13, the, the Israelites, the children of Israel did not go, go into Canaan because they, because they, because of how they saw God. They, they did not go, get in the, go into the promised land because they didn't see God right. They saw God right. They didn't get into the promised land because they saw themselves wrong. It said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers in our own sight. So it wasn't the giant that was in the land. It was the grasshopper that was in their head that kept them from producing, from entering into the promised land. And we have to get out our own way. We have to get out our own way. You know, and, 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 and that was one of the things that helped me tremendously go forward. You know what I mean? It, it, 
I think uh, Lamar said this earlier, I went from being, I was so unconfident as a pastor when I first started pastoring that I questioned everything that I did. I mean, I would question sermons. I would get done preaching. I needed, I needed my, I would get done, as soon as I get done preaching, I would go to my wife and say, how was that? And she'd be like, what? I was like, how was that? You know, you, you think I did good? I, I don't know. And it wasn't until it clicked in me, like, this is not, this is not something that I do. It's who I am. So even if I don't pass, I found myself, you know, I'll preach a sermon in the middle of, in the, in the middle of work. You know what I mean? I'll give you a word in the middle of work. And I think that, we are, you know, our people, especially Black people, suffer from that confidence. You know what I mean? Suffer from the confidence. Because if, if we can get that confidence that we're, you know, God tells us who we are. We're heirs and joiners. Head, not tail, above, not beneath. You know, lender, not to borrow. He tells us these things for a reason. Because he, he, he wants you to have that confidence. Not in, not in you, my dog messing with me, not in you, but in, in, in him. And, and, and once I got to that point, you know, it was just, it was just a, uh, a, a relief of this is not something I do. This is who I am and understand that some people I'm going to be for them and some people not going like to like it, but it don't make it any, any less on me. I mean, I, I can do what I do. I mean, everybody ain't going to like you. Everybody, you're not going to be the pastor for everybody. And, you know what I mean? You, you're not going to be, you know, the, the person for everybody. You're not going to be the friend for everybody. But the, the people that you're designed and created to be, those are the ones that, 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 that uh, you'll have the greatest impact on. But you gotta, we got to be true to ourselves you know, to, to impact the people that we're supposed to impact. And uh, I'm going to leave off with this. I'm, I got to give you a scripture. <laughs> I got, so I just want to say, so it says, it's a, when I was, a, when I was a, a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I want to talk, talk about the duality of that situation. Because he was a man and still had childish ways. Because it said, when I became a man, I then put away childish things. You can be a man and still be childish in certain areas. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to grow into it, you know? And we have to understand that there are gonna be ways that we have to put away. I mean, the, 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 the three areas, think, speak, and understand. I mean, the first thing we gotta do is we gotta start thinking like men. Uh, the way a man thinks is with the thought process of responsibility. I mean, 
we have to understand that that I can't make excuses. I, it doesn't matter what anybody else did to me, what they didn't do for me. As a man, I got to take responsibility and do what I got to do to be to make it necessary for me and the people that I'm responsible for to have the best lifestyle that they can. I mean, the, 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 the second thing we have to do is speak. You know, when you speak, you know, a lot of times you can and be in the right. And sometimes we'll be, as, as a child, you'll just want to express your rightness. You know what I mean? But as a man, you don't just want to be right. You know I mean, you want to be righteous. And sometimes being righteous is humbling yourself and not driving home the point. Because sometimes you driving home the point, you can break the spirit of the other person. I mean, so sometimes even in your rightness as a man, you got to understand, even though I'm right, I have to enter into it with a certain level of humility. I mean, I have to enter into it with a certain level of humility. I got to think of others before I think of myself. How, what, what I'm about to say, how is this going to impact and affect the person that I'm getting ready to say it to? That's speaking as a man, maturity. For the women that's on the line, that's maturity. You know, we can, I ain't going to exclude y'all. You know I mean? Especially since my cousin's on here comment. But maturity. Uh, and the last thing is understanding. I mean, we get into most conflict and, con and, and, and stuff like that based off of the fact that it's just a misunderstanding. I mean, because I, I used to get upset because, man, I can't even understand why you would do something like that. I mean, and when I couldn't understand why you would do something like that, the only thing that I could reason is the fact that it was disrespect. Disrespect was not to tolerated. So now we got to go to blues. I mean, but, but when you can get understanding, you know, of the situation, understanding does not mean agreement. I mean, I can understand why you did this. Doesn't mean that it was right. Doesn't mean that I think it was right. I just can have understanding of it because I can understand your situation and your circumstance, your background, your this. I mean, certain people, I can understand why they sell drugs. Don't make drug dealing right. Don't mean I agree with the drug dealing, but I can understand dealing with your background, your situation, your circumstance, and where you come from. You need to make money, and you thought that that was your only means that you could. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean I agree with it, but I can understand it. So if I can understand it, I can then address the issue from the root of the issue. You know, and and that's 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 something that uh, I think as men we need to uh, to get get that understanding the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we understand. Because a lot of times that we having the problem that we have with these young people, because we ain't trying to take that time to understand them. We just trying to talk to them, talk at them, and never listening to what they got to say. They don't feel like they heard. They don't feel like they seen. And, and listen, man, I, I know what it's like. 
to not feel like you heard, not feel like you seen. So you just do whatever you want to do. And sometimes you press the envelope to see if they're going to say something. Do you see me now? Do you hear me now? And you just go unheard. So I think if we could just, uh, you know, take that little bit of a, you know, uh, advice or whatever it was to deal with our young people, even our family, it's a, it's a leadership thing, you know, and we can use it in our homes, with our, in, our, in our relationships, you know, with our kids, with whoever, you know, let's, 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 let's understand, let's speak, and let's think differently. Um, that was it. I'm done. I, we, we, I, we, you know, any, any questions? I got one question. Go ahead. What would you tell the 14 year old you today, if you could talk to him? <laughs> okay, you killed me with these questions, Kevin. <laughs> Man, what? What would I tell the 14 year old me? Yeah, the one that thought that his family didn't care about him. I I would tell the 14 year old me that don't take it personal. They doing the best they can with the situation they dealt with, with the with the tools that they got and with the information that they had. And with all the struggles and the problems that they got going through themselves, they don't, they being the best uh, version of themselves at that moment to you. And it's not that they don't love you. It's not that they don't care. It's that they may not, they just don't know how to properly do it. And don't take it personal. Word. Mark, I'm go ahead, go. Go ahead, Mark. I just would like to request a trade of information. Um, if you can borrow some of my talking points. <laughs> <laughs> Even in exchange, we go barter, we go barter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, I'm taking notes. I just want you to know that it's reciprocal. So don't get mad. I, I, like I'll say, I'll give you credit. But I'll be like, yeah, man, I heard this brother say, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm give you first and last day the first time I you. I mean, Lamar Lewis said this. Next time is gonna be Lamar. The third time is gonna be Mar. The hey, next time is mine. That this guy, this this guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I, I heard this somewhere. I ain't just. No, I, you know, uh, and 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 one of the things I I, I thought about. You know, I thought about a lot of stuff come leading up to this. And one of the things that I was going to do is I was going to, uh, you know, I just knew that my Aunt Carmen was going to be on the call. So I ain't want to, uh, but I was going to, uh, I wasn't going to use a Bible verse, but I was going to preach a sermon from a, from a, from a scripture of uh, was coming from a DJ Khaled, a guy did. <laughs> and, uh, he love DJ Khaled. She on here. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I was going. I was going to use his, his lyrics as the, as the actual scripture. One of the things that he said is that it breaks my heart that they didn't believe in us, and that was one of my struggles with 
that it broke my heart, really, that they, that, you know, the people closest to me didn't believe in me, you know, and to take rest in the fact that even though they did, God did. And, you know, he thought it not robbery to put certain people in place and, you know, push me to certain directions. And certain sometimes it was pain that pushed me in certain directions. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was relationships that pushed me in certain directions. And it was things that God put in place to get me to a place that I never thought I would be. I remember I told my pastor, I I don't want to be no minister. I said, I ain't never going to be no minister because I don't want to be like them. (laughs) You know, I said, I, 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 I don't, because they wrote me off with things I didn't write back. Gino Smith. Yeah, Gino Smith. And, and, uh, you know, I I, I just, you know, I tell my church, I said, listen, I don't know, kick my coverage. I mean, my own personal ability, I passed that a while ago. I mean, this all God right now. And I know it is. You know what I mean? I know that I, I can't I can't run no I can't even live in the house that I live in. You know what I mean? You know, coming from where I come from, you just don't do it. You know what I mean? You know, and and you know, it's just, you know, God did it. When everybody else wrote you off or when everybody else said oh, you know, it's over, you know. God still that God said, No, I got a plan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and you got to be careful because God got a plan for you. And the same way that God got a plan for you, people got a plan for you. I mean, they'll put you right in the box and, and that's their plan for you. You ain't never going to be nothing. We're going to put you here and let you just waste your life away. And if you don't understand who you are and whose you are, then you'll accept that plan, you know. And it was an encounter that I had with, with God. I just, man, it got to be more than this. And, and, and it was one day I, I made up in my mind. And uh, I think it's John D. Key song. Let's say 99 and a half owned it. And I just said, man, I want everything you got for me, God. You know, I said, Lord, I want to be great. I was in the shower. I was in the shower. I said, I want to be great. And I heard it like it was. He said, all right. It's in you. But I got to pull it out of you. And it's going to hurt. And I said, I want it. I didn't know it was going to hurt that much. But it hurt, though. But it, it, it is worth it. You know? And a lot, of us, a lot of us live our lives not pursuing purpose, but avoiding pain. And I'm telling you, if you would embrace the pain, go through the pain, what's on the other side of pain is 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 the promise. Mm. What's on the other side of pain is the promise. And if you were if you willing to endure that pain and, and go through that pain, you know, it's it's so I'm gonna say this because I, I I never said this yet. 
So I, I, I want this to be like my slogan for my young people, but it's up from here, you know? And up is, uh, is an acronym for unlimited possibilities. Mm. I mean, so I don't care what happened before we got to this point. Once you get here, it's up from here. I don't care how you was raised. I don't care what, 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 your, what your mama did, what your daddy did, what anybody else did. I don't care what level of education you got or don't got. Whatever you get, it's up from here. Your possibilities are un, unlimited. Let's take the limits off, God. Let's take the limits off of you. I mean, let's take the limits off ourselves. I mean, and and I think that's enough. That's just I'm done. Well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> well, I mean, it's only one more thing to say here. Uh, the doors of the church are open. Is there somebody today <laughs> that wants to give their life <laughs> to God? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because listen, I preach. Listen, every time I have something, I gotta have like y'all my go-to. You and Lamar. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always add somebody else in the mix, but um, I feel like it's very important. You know, y'all two are, are are easy. You get the the um, your message out easy, and and you know what I mean. You're relatable, so and that's very important. You know what I'm saying? Especially for people that come in that don't really, you know, you never know where they if they Christians or you know you never know you know what type of um background their lifestyle you know they come from so you know um i just really wanted to i didn't know your life story so you know what i'm saying i really wanted to hear it number one and um yeah i just i appreciate you oh listen hey 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 the first guy that spoke i I need to link up with him alex i got you yeah he and yeah i need to link up with him yeah he and i need to link up with him i got you you know i got you i'll make it happen you know, Lamar, we're going to have to link up too. Yeah. You know, I come to Atlanta, you come to food. We got to link up though. Um, hey, man, um, you know, I'm down for the get down, brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've never been to Philly. You know, I've I never been. The only closest I've been is listening to, to rap songs, man. So <laughs> <laughs> I just know where not to go based on the rap songs and, and watching battle rap. So, you know, I'm, I'm down for the get down. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we'll take a trip. I'm down for a trip. Anytime anybody want to come to Atlanta, I, I can t- I can at least tell you where to eat. I can't tell you. Tell you what side of town not to be in and what to eat. I got you. Let's do it. Oh, my man, my man. <laughs> Class in the air. Toast to a high power. Cause what you tuning into right now is Lito's happy hour. Lito's happy hour, this is where we say. Rolling uncut, we giving real facts. Educating, entertaining all the people And when it come to podcasts, it ain't nothing equal Giving people knowledge, they can put in action All the way authentic, we ain't never capping Exclusive interviews, cause we ain't never lacking The other state is talking, and we bout the action Glasses in the air 
Toledo's happy hour.